uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Now, composers are arrogant, especially when we're talking about our music. But the fact is, the arrogance is generally hiding great insecurity. You have to let your ego go. If you're smart, you're really doing more listening than talking. You really aren't in charge. The director's in charge. Your job is to translate their feelings about their movie into music. One more time. Hearing the downbeat. Bom. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we're going to be taking a deep dive into some of our favorite motion picture soundtracks straight away we'll kick it over to chief engineer bob bob what is it about listening to certain soundtracks some of your favorite movies brings you enjoyment well i do very much enjoy listening to soundtracks and i always have i mean i used to buy them on records those round vinyl (laughs) things that you played with a needle (laughs) and uh cassette tapes Eight tracks. I'm that old. And uh, I just, I don't know. I always, because I love the movies so much, listening to the soundtracks, you can kind of get lost in it. And the images from the movies come back into your mind. And you can kind of relive the movies that way. Also, um, if I'm. You know, when I was younger and doing homework or if I'm sitting around, you know, doing some, you know, doing regular work. I mean, I have an iPad usually on my desk at work now and I'll usually play uh, music. So it's kind of nice not to have to listen to words. So it's cool to, uh, I don't know, they kind of distract you when you're trying to think about stuff. But when it's just music in the background, that's cool, you know, and, you know, you basically... Depends on your mood, you know, oh, I think I'll listen to some Bond music, you know, or maybe I'll do some Godzilla or maybe I'll go over and, you know, do an old Universal film or something. So, uh, you know, there's, there's usually soundtracks for whatever mood you're in. It's uh, interesting, Bob, because, you know, growing up, we all had vinyl records and, you know, you go get a 45, whether it was the Beatles or you know, Ozzy Osbourne, whatever genre of music you listen to. Uh, but I remember, and, and we, we all have a list of, of uh, records, soundtracks that we like. But I remember one of the first soundtracks that I bought it wasn't really a soundtrack. It was the story of Star Wars. And it was just uh, basically uh, sound bites from the movie telling the story with John Carpenter's Music. Do, do you remember John Carpenter? 
John, John Carpenter. Wait, John that would, that would have been a real rarity. That's a later episode. <laughs> that was a collector's <laughs> item, let me tell you. A little, um, little later episode seeping in here. I think we're talking uh, Johnny Williams, maybe? Yeah, not, not to... Like start off your list early. Hopefully, your first soundtrack's not on your list. But what was your guys's first soundtrack? Do you remember? Uh, oh, that's a really good question. Uh, thinking way back, first. Well, and, and we can we can come back to that later on in I, the episode. But. Well, I I know too that I bought, um, and I don't think I actually bought soundtracks until I was in college. Hmm. A late one bloomer. I, one I had, well, they were still LPs, though. Right. They were still vinyl. One was a collection of James Bond themes, music mm-hmm. right. from the James Bond films. And the other was uh, the, the soundtrack to The Road Warrior. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah. Music for drive-by. <laughs> well, exactly, because I would take it and put it on cassette you know you had your little cassette player under your turntable and you could record whatever was on the lp and then put it on your cassette and then go out in your car and drive around and listen to it cool yeah i would you know speaking of bond i'm pretty sure my first soundtrack was probably live and let die Mm. when it first came out on lp and uh yeah, I had a few Bond soundtracks on record back then, including, you know, they had various collections of the theme songs and things. But um, I'm trying to think if there was something before that that wasn't like a kitty record. Yeah, I had kitty <laughs> records too when I was growing up. <laughs> I tell you, that Popeye soundtrack was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, we had like Yogi Bear and. Flintstones and all that stuff too, but I don't know. I don't really, yeah, I don't really we, count we had any of that. Zoo review. <laughs> I mean, there were Disney. I mean, yeah, I mean, I had like Disney soundtracks. Yeah, Pinocchio. I think Jungle Book was like an early one. Mm-hmm. But, well, we uh, we could do this the entire episode, kids. But let's go ahead and dive into um, some of our favorite soundtracks. Um, Bob made a good point. You know, sometimes it just, you don't want words. You just want music for, for me, it, it, you know, if I'm doing something at work or if I'm traveling home on the bus or the train, you just pop in and your imagination takes over and you remember, you know, this is where this happened. This is where that happened. And, you know, your imagination does a lot of the work for you too. So you can sit there and, you know, with your tablet or your phone and watch the film. Most certainly now. Back then, we couldn't do that. But uh, straight away, let's go over to Chief Engineer Bob. What, what's one of the first, uh, or what's one of the picks that you have for a uh, favorite soundtrack? Well, you know, it's funny that you should mention like driving and all that. I mean, I have to drive out to Vegas later this week, about a <laughs> nine-hour drive. <clears throat> I'm thinking maybe I'll throw the soundtrack for Speed Racer on there and try to make oh, it boy. like an eight-hour drive or seven-hour <laughs> drive. But that was not one of my choices, even though I love it. Um, actually, going back in time, I went with Bride of Frankenstein. Wow. I was kind of like looking at some of the Universal soundtracks, and I have another one coming up, but... 
Um, Bride of Frankenstein and Franz Waxman, I just thought that is an excellent soundtrack. And La La Land Records came out with uh, the CD for it fairly recently. And it's just the crescendos they have in there. Like, they reveal the bride. And you have that, the big crescendo and when she comes out. And uh, I think the amazing thing is, you know, all that music from Bride of Frankenstein was actually recycled like three times for the Flash Gordon serials mm-hmm. with Buster Crab. Isn't but, that funny? Yeah. So, but yeah, Bride of Frankenstein, that's the only soundtrack that Franz Waxman did for Universal. Hmm. which uh, I thought was interesting because it was so well done and it was one of the earlier films. You would think they'd bring him back, you know, for another one. Uh, though, interestingly enough, he did do the soundtrack for Rear Window. Ah. So that's a little something, something right there. But, um, yeah, I think Bride of Frankenstein just excellent. And I think that was one of the first soundtracks where like you had character themes like the monster had a theme the bride had a theme right uh, and then of course you know as they're together they he kind of mixes the themes and that's been done in other movies but i'm pretty sure that was the first one where uh the characters were actually defined by the themes they had in the movie yeah so franz waxman bride of frankenstein Go to La La Land Records and pick it up because it's an excellent one. All right. I mean, it was still, you know, sound. They had been making sound films for a little while, but it it was still relatively, you know, new as far as figuring out how to do the soundtracks. And, you know, because if you look at like when Dracula came out, they were just using Swan Lake and... You know, established works in the in the film. Well, Swan Lake, yeah, it was just like the opening theme, but then the rest of the film, there's like no music at all, right? And that was because the what that was like thirty one. Mm-hmm. I want to see, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, I think films were pretty much silent till like twenty nine. So, yeah, that was just like. What? We got to put music over this thing? Yeah. Right. They're still <laughs> figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. And even so, the original Frankenstein, that was, you know, about the same time. Yeah. Really, you know, they didn't have a, uh, it, it had a soundtrack, but it was kind of pretty minimal, I think, still. Mm-hmm. Now, I think 33, you had King Kong, and that has an amazing soundtrack. Oh, yeah. 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 In fact, I should have picked that. Let me go back. And <laughs> <laughs> but no, Kong definitely has a really good soundtrack. And, you know, that was very, very early days of scoring music or scoring mm-hmm. films. Yeah, those early guys, I mean, they were still basically feeling it out, figuring out how to do it and, you know, how to make it work with the what was going on with the film. So, Plus you had like full orchestras. Mm, which was nice now of course you know later on like john williams would have a full orchestra for films and things like that but maybe you know john barry probably but a lot a lot of the soundtracks tend would tend to go for like a smaller lower budget type orchestra but um yeah i think the uh the early films though they were very you know 
uh, music seemed to be a very important part. And it almost seems, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it almost seems like as the decades went on, soundtracks were maybe not quite as important a part of the film as they used to be. Mm. But we can discuss that as as we go on with our other picks. But Yeah, Indeed. because I think it sort of ebbed and flowed. I think when you got to the era with John Williams and some of these other composers, then the, the soundtrack took on more importance again. Mm-hmm. But I mean, now this is going way kind of off track, but like what movies today actually have a soundtrack that, because a lot of times I'll go watch a movie and it's like, I won't even realize that there was music in it. Because on some of these older films, you see the films and you come out of the theater, you come away humming some of the music or, you know, having one uh, of the know. themes stuck in your head. But today, uh, you know, not, that doesn't usually happen, at least for me. Well, yeah. One of the questions I had when we were discussing this episode is, do we talk about just a piece of music from a film or the soundtrack, and and we decided it was going to be soundtrack. And so, look, I love the Marvel films, but I I don't own any of the Marvel soundtracks. I mean, there's bits and pieces of the Avengers music I like, Captain America, uh, even Superman versus Batman. Uh, I don't own that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, th- I like I like the Avengers theme, and they kind of mm-hmm. kept that throughout all the films, but. Uh, yeah, a, a, lot, point, a lot of Bob. them just weren't that unique or that prevalent. You think yeah. about yeah, go ahead, Walker. Well, I was going to say, I think I think we may be in another ebb period again because I think you know we had some strong themes and and soundtracks in the seventies and eighties, um, but you know, right now I would agree. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of really strong soundtracks. There's certainly. I would I would tend to agree with Bob. I mean, I, yeah, I don't come out of these Avengers or Marvel films right. thinking too much about the music, and the same could be said for a lot of the other, uh, you know, big uh, franchises we currently have. I'll I'll say this as far as like soundtracks, recent years, it's going to be more so television for me, like Battlestar Galactica. Bear McQuarrie did great work on that series. Um, he also did, he also did Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, mm. There you go. Um, yeah, so it, it's interesting. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's move this along though. And uh, Karen, what's one of the picks you have for us? So one of my favorite soundtracks, which I listen to repeatedly, sometimes. Like you guys have mentioned, uh, you know, when I'm working, especially if I'm having to do some writing, I don't want to have a lot of words that will distract me. (laughs) So I like to put on a soundtrack. Uh, But I also like to listen uh, to this one in my car, and that is Jerry Goldsmith's soundtrack for Star Trek, the motion picture. Great pick. Um, You know, Jerry Goldsmith has done so many Great films, especially genre films. Uh, you know, he did Planet of the Apes, which is a, an amazing kind of um, eclectic soundtrack. He did uh, Logan's Run, Alien. So he's, he's done a lot of different films already in the genre. But I think with Star Trek, the motion picture, 
um, he really hit it out of the park. And it's it's interesting, too, because like so many other things associated with this film, it didn't really um, it wasn't going well at first for him as he worked on the film, um, especially, you know, he was trying to craft the, the theme for the Enterprise and, uh, you know, doing a little reading about this. Uh, he really didn't come up with the the final theme until he saw some of the final uh, visual effects work for the film. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, he, he <clears throat> finally got that that music together almost at the last minute. He, he changed over 25 minutes of music in the film. And some of that work was done as late as December 1st. And the film was being released December 7th. So <laughs> even though now you, you can hear this soundtrack and it's, it's an amazing, very beautiful uh, soundtrack with a lot of um, kind of uh, you know, um, lilting themes in a lot of places. Um, you know, it sounds like it, it, you know, was put together amazingly well, but some of it just came together really quickly. And, you know, you have sort of on one side, all of the sort of heroic stuff that goes with the Federation. And, but then there's a completely different musical theme that goes with V'ger, you know, and V'ger yep. has this very, um, heavy percussion and brass and apparently that was really um a lot of that was inspired by the work of bernard herman who people will be familiar with god he did everything but i always think of him (laughs) from a lot of the ray harryhausen films right Uh, but in this case uh, uh goldsmith took a lot of inspiration from herman's work on uh, the day the earth stood still so when he was doing the V'ger music, a lot of the the um, ideas that he developed for that was directly influenced by Herman's work on Day the Earth Stood Still and, and the kind of, you know, almost electronic and, and dissonant kind of sounds that were used in that film. And, of course, they also had this device that, that Craig Huxley built – Craig Huxley has a history with Star Trek because when he was a little kid, he appeared in a couple of episodes. But he built this thing called the Blaster Beam, and it was made out of artillery shells and magnets. And anyway, it made all those weird sounds that you hear (laughs) Vedder shows up. So anyway, you know, Goldsmith was good at incorporating like unusual instruments and sounds into soundtracks. Wait, 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 Walker, what, what were the sounds that it made? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting that he he got a lot of influence from Bernard Herrmann and the day the earth stood still because Robert Wise was the director of both films that uh and Star Trek that's a very good point Bob so yeah I really I really enjoy this soundtrack a lot Uh, it was nominated for best original score and lost to a film called a little romance which I don't know anything about who even, um, who even remembers that movie? I, I don't even know <laughs> if the people who made A Little Romance remember that movie. <laughs> but uh, I think it's it's a really beautiful score. I, I will admit I'm still listening to my 20th anniversary collector's edition. I need to get the La La Land You version. don't have the La La Land? I, I know. I feel like such a... 
that's such an infidel. I don't have it, so I need to go and purchase that. Maybe I, w- I would we- get that just for, and I know Larry and I talked about this on the podcast before, just the theme for when the Klingon ships show up. I really like that that piece of music. I like Ilea's theme, which is really beautiful. Of course, the the main title, which eventually got appropriated for the next generation. And it's funny because a lot of people didn't realize that. But well, here, here's the know. question then. When you hear that theme just in and of itself – do you think of Star Trek in the motion picture or do you think about or do you think of Next Generation first? Well, because I listen to the soundtrack so much, I think of the motion <laughs> picture. But I bet you most people think of the next generation. Uh, I think of a convention with Bill Shatner and Walker. I think you were with me and someone asked, Why are you guys using because Star Trek Four came up? Why are you guys using the next generation's theme song? And he's like, That's not their theme song. That's <laughs> Song. He was so. He was very indignant. They stole my song. That's that was my song. Um, maybe Shatner really wrote it. In the you know, <laughs> he was like the ghostwriter for that one. You know, and as an aside, I really think we should do a Shatner episode. We yeah. are so fortunate to still have the man with us, and he to have his wits about him. Even in interviews that he does now, I mean, he is so entertaining. Enough about the man. All right. Uh, <laughs> 100th episode, get him on the show. <laughs> I'll, I'll email him. Oh, my him God. That would be fantastic. All right. No, I, I agree with you, uh, Walker. The uh, when, when Kirk sees the Enterprise and Bob has made fun of that theme before, <laughs> but it, it to me, oh, man, it's so great. And you know, how many films have overtures, mm-hmm. you know, still? I mean, we were talking about modern soundtracks of it. It, it. You know, the music really, and, and with the 4K release of the film on, on Paramount Plus, soon to be on Blu-ray, it's just a beautiful work. I mean. It really is. It really is, yeah. And I, I got to get that La La Land. Maybe after the show, I'll go online <laughs> and buy that La La Land. Jump on there immediately. Yep. Because, yeah, it's it's an excellent soundtrack. Cool. Oh, definitely. So, Larry, uh, you got Larry? something for us? You know, what, what, what music has been rattling around in your head lately? I, I, I was thinking of Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, which I really, really, that's one of the oh. earlier soundtracks that I got Speaking when I was Speaking of kid. Bernard Herman? Uh, yep. Bernard Herman. And... Yeah, you know, it it just really sticks in my in my head. Um, but I I went ahead and I picked one of the first soundtracks I got besides the the story of Star Wars was a double album, and and when you opened you know the the fold of the album the the two parts, you saw Christopher Reeve flying as Superman. Yes, John Williams, a Superman pop up, not Carpenter. But William, <laughs> <laughs> he, a, a Superman pop up, and uh, you know I, I should take a picture of it. I have it up in my Superman corner um, uh, of, uh, of of my office here, and it's just a beautiful uh, a poster in and of itself. Um, the music is so memorable, and. Uh, 
you know, it, it just makes you feel good. And it'll take you back to the film like that. You, you hear, bah, 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 and, mm. and immediately you're back, you know. Yep. Um, it, it's just, even at the end when Superman waves goodbye to you, Bye, Superman. <laughs> that was Larry in the off in the audience there. Yeah. Goodbye, um, Superman. The cool thing about the theme though is it has that build up. And off it goes. Right, right. On the on the CD, it might be an anniversary, but it wasn't by Lala. Just regular CD. And there's different um, versions of the Superman march. Mm. You know, some with more pomp and circumstance, some faster. Um, what I thought was was interesting is Jerry Goldsmith, who worked with uh, Dick Donner on The Omen, was originally going to do the the soundtrack for Superman. Oh. But he got caught up in, in you know, whatever movie he was going to do. And so they brought in uh, John Williams. To, to do the, the music. How interesting. What would that have sound like, you know? Similar to John uh, Carpenter, but probably a little... Uh... <laughs> yeah, John Carpenter's Superman. Hey, you got to give it to John Carpenter, though, man. He scored all his films. Oh, man. They, I mean, they all pretty much sound the same. Well, it's him as a, as a <laughs> well, synthesizer. Or whatever, but... I don't... Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a later podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um... Famously, the uh, uh, Margot Kidder was supposed to sing "Can You Read My Mind." Picture oh. that. But uh, the powers that be didn't like that idea, so she just did the voiceover, you know. And She's it hit like the Shatner. <laughs> well, Rocket Man. It hit the Billboard charts uh, for like three weeks. I think it was like fifty, maybe forty-nine, fifty-two adult contemporary chart. Um. So yeah, it, you know, still holds up today. Well, that was th- that was the thing up uh, through the seventies. Soundtrack and movie themes and things were still becoming hits. Well, it, it, you know, and and the thing is, you're you're gonna know the film it lost um, the Academy Award nomination uh, was the most. Uh, Superman was part of that. I think I know which film it lost to for Midnight Best Score. Express. <laughs> Wait, it lost to Midnight Express it, for Best Score? Yeah, but he lost to uh, the score for Midnight Express. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> so That was not the film I was thinking of. Go, go, what were you thinking of? I thought it, for some reason I was thinking it was Chariots of Fire. Oh, dun, 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 dun. Wasn't that 84 or 86? I must be thinking, yeah, I must be thinking of a different film. I'm thinking it was later. Yeah, because they they utilize that for like Olympics and all kinds of crap. Um, What was fun is that in this um, Superman soundtrack for the motion picture, they actually have Lex Luthor's lair. And in in the movie, Luthor wears like a Hawaiian shirt and they have like a Hawaiian uh, ukulele like playing doo, 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 you know, <laughs> did it terrible justice but um, Hawaiian type music for his uh, Luther's Lair anyway um, I, I wish Lala or uh, Mondo or someone would put out a Dilly Deluxe version uh, of this soundtrack but as of uh, 
this recording that has not happened yet. So give it time. There must be like an anniversary or something coming up that they could cash in on. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's circle back to Chief Engineer Bob. Well, I'm going to go, you know, maybe a couple decades ahead and uh, ahead of my first choice anyway. I'm not going decades ahead of Superman. But <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I chose Forbidden Planet. Oh, that's a good one. Louis and B.B. Barron. And that was the first all-electronic soundtrack. No musical instruments. It's all electronic sounds. And uh, basically the way they had done that is uh, they started experimenting with this kind of sound. They did a um, concerto called Heavenly Menagerie, and uh, that was the first electronic composition. And basically what they would do is Lewis, Lewis would basically build all these circuits. And then he would overload the circuits and they'd record the sound as the circuit like overloaded and blew out. And he would oh. just, he would just build like thousands of circuits and they'd blow them out, record them. And then BB would basically take those, add some reverb, maybe run them backwards, run them forwards, basically took the tape and would edit those together into what would sound like a musical composition. And so with Forbidden Planet, it was basically, that's how they did the entire soundtrack. Just burning out circuits, recording them, and then <laughs> putting them together, you know, speed them up, slow them down, put them together into, like I say, a musical composition. Uh, sometimes they would loop the sounds. That's why you'd get like the, you know, over right. and over. And uh, it just makes for an amazing soundtrack. Uh, you know, it may not be one that you'd want to s- kind of just sit there and listen to straight through over and over. But, you know, just listen to it once through. And it's just an amazing experience. And just, just to hear all these different, basically, circuits dying out and uh, being combined into a composition. I remember listening to the entire soundtrack. Uh, I was moving, and it was great music to listen to while you're packing all of your starships and figures <laughs> and robots. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, because I, I even had the theme on my phone for a while as my ringtone. Mm, and it was just... really cool. You'd be walking down the street, and I was like, and people would what the heck is that? I always assumed it was a theremin or a similar instrument. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. That's what I thought too. And then I started looking into it. Then it's like, Oh no, it's, it's burning out circuits. Now I don't know uh, when the theremin first came in or first started being used, but I know it was used for uh, day the earth stood still. Yeah. So that would have been like Uh, 51. yeah. Yeah. But as you know, was it used before that? I don't know. Maybe someone huh. can Google while someone else talks and we'll find out. But <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. But yeah, no. It just seems like an enormous, enormously expensive way to do things, to like 
I'll just build all these circuits and then we'll destroy them. Well, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> that's, it. like I say, that was, there was really no electronic music at that point. So it's like, okay, how do we make electronic music? And I guess his idea was, and I'll tell was, you, we get, we the get these circuits and blur the, and, and yeah, the the music really is unlike anything at in that period of time, and, and complements the film. And it really sets the mood for the movie, right? And yeah, and, and you even have like all the different sound effects too. You know, mm. like you know, you've got Robbie and his his uh, little levers like clack away in his head, and you hear the and things like that. The monster from the id. You know, the roar of that thing. Uh, mm. Very, very creepy. Yeah. The ray guns. So uh, the theremin, theremin was invented in 1920 and patented in 1928. Mm. So it's been around quite some time. When it was first used in a film, I don't have the immediate answer to that. Keep Googling. Well, we got other stuff to do. So. <laughs> we need to move on. But that was a good pick, Chief. It's just forbidden. Now I got to go back and watch the movie. I'm in the mood now. Oh, definitely. I'm going to go back and watch all these. Such a classic. <laughs> Walker, why don't you introduce us to your second pick? So one of the things we've talked about in the past is how a soundtrack can often make or break a film. One of the things, you know, I think we've mentioned and certainly other people have talked about is how uh, Star Wars was helped immeasurably by its soundtrack. Oh, yes. And um, you just look at the trailer for Star Wars and the music that they used. Oh, yeah. And then the film with John Williams score and. A huge difference. Well, I mean, it just, you know, and they use it for every film, but when the, the title comes up and you have the blaring, you know, dun, oh, yeah. dun, 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 you know, and, it's, and then it goes into the march um, and the and the credit crawl or the, or the story crawl at the beginning. Well, it's like the perfect melding of sound and, and vision, right? So the, yeah. the music perfectly exemplifies what's going on in the story. So with my second pick, I feel it's the same thing, that the soundtrack went along with the, the movie so well and gave it such a boost that when you're watching the film, the soundtrack gives you that, you know, adrenaline. And I'm talking about 1987's Predator. Ah, Yes. So the soundtrack is by Alan Silvestri. He had previously done films including Romancing the Stone and Back to the Future. Later on, he would go on to do uh, some Marvel films, including the first Avengers, uh, Infinity War, and Endgame. Hmm. So, well, in fact, he, he wrote that Avengers theme that we were talking about earlier. That right. recurs. Right. Which is one of the few memorable things from... Right. Yeah, films. yeah. It's like the only piece of music I can remember right now from any <laughs> <laughs> But I think his work on Predator, it, I, I love that soundtrack. I've listened to it again and again. And it, and it's, again, it's a perfect melding of, of the visual with the audio. Uh, he, he uses an orchestra and a synthesizer, but 
the electronics never overwhelm things. I think it's the perfect mix of electronic with with the instruments. Uh, He began his career as a drummer, and maybe that explains why the soundtrack is so percussive. I also mm-hmm. really appreciate that because I used to drum, so I always love really percussive uh, soundtracks. And uh, it does a great job in evoking the jungle, you know, the setting that the film is in. It it has um, elements that are very martial for the, the uh, commandos that are in the film. Um, it has some tribal elements with a lot of these... Um, like rattles and shakers that are used, but it also has um, a high degree of like tension and suspense uh, in the music that keeps driving it, you know, to to get you to that end where it's just uh, Dutch versus the predator, you know. And it has similar. It kind of reminds me. I mean, it has different themes, right? So. Uh, for Dutch, for Arnold's character, there's kind of these swelling instruments, these these um, you know strings and stuff that portray kind of the heroic elements. And then for the Predator, you have more of um, these drums and sort of hissing sounds and electronic right. elements. There's like this sort of six note thing that goes through. It's almost like Jaws like, and you know these like did it did So. Yeah, it's just it's a really, really dynamic soundtrack uh, that just kind of propels the film. And when you hear it, it's like you immediately like, oh, yeah, that's that's Predator, whether it's, you know, sort of the dun, 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 or the, you know, yeah, I think it's it's a great action soundtrack, but it has a lot of these really sinister elements that go with the predator and uh just works really you know really perfect uh with with what's going on in the uh the film oh absolutely well i mean that film too it's like there's a lot of i guess you say mystery or suspense mm-hmm. because you know you don't really know at the beginning like he's camouflaged where is he you know when right. is he going to show up when, you know almost like alien and uh you know there he is in a tree oh no he's gone and yeah mm-hmm. there's a and the music right. reflects a lot of that. Yeah, there's like these little bongo drums that come in sometimes and go boom, 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 and they kind of fade out. And it's yeah, that sort of mystery element, like where is he? What's going on? God, why why do I sit here now picturing like the predator hiding in a tree playing bongos? <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of reminiscent to me of some of the percussion in the Planet of the Apes, the first yes. movie. You know, and it just added, again, another good example of the music really working well with the film and and moving it forward and, and adding elements of surprise and mystery to what you're watching. And again, it's one of those soundtracks you listen to on the bus or while you're working or whatever, and your imagination picks up, you know, what you're missing visually from watching the film. Well, it's like Planet of the Apes. I mean, when you hear that blare... Right. You know, it's like, dun, 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 and you immediately go to the gorilla on the horse and, you know, when yep. they first show that, oh, man, they're apes. Right. But, yeah, I mean, so there are definitely soundtracks, you know, like music or even small, you know, stanzas that 
immediately bring an, an image to mind. And it's like, it could be nothing else. It has to, you know, it's this. We image. need to figure out a way to do a, a viewer call in or game show, name that tune and play like, bam, <laughs> bam, 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 bam. <laughs> um, that's such a good soundtrack. Um, I got it on, uh, I got it from Entrada. I don't know. Mm. Years ago. I don't know if it's still, if that's still. Entrada tends to keep his stuff around for a while. It may still be on there. You have to check it out. Uh, What else else we got here? Well, you know, well, we've already established Gary Smol- uh, Gary Goldsmith had composed the music for the motion picture. Um, the motion picture was almost on my list, but what beat it out was The Wrath of Khan. Ha! Huh. James um, Horner. James Horner. This is one of his first gigs. Um, you know, the, the studio was looking to to get Mr. Goldsmith, but, uh, you know, frankly, he just was too much money and they were cutting the budgets left and right on this second Star Trek film. And it was, you know, Bennett and Meyer wanted the music for the film to go in a different direction. Um, you know, the movie was going to have more of a nautical theme to it. Mm-hmm. And they just really liked James Horner's body of work up to that point. And, you know, the, the samples that he gave them, like um, when Spock is running to the engine room to save the Enterprise, spoiler alert, we'd already established that song was used in like a crawl. Um, <laughs> what, was it the aliens? Uh, uh, the second alien? Yeah, aliens. I mean, it was like, but hey, uh, again, this is this is a. A soundtrack that got the La La Land treatment. If you don't have uh, that version of the um, soundtrack, I highly recommend it. Um, I do have that. The the liner notes are fantastic. I'm going to read you guys just a small portion here. It says, in preparing his primary thematic palette, Horner based his original material on Meyer's intent to make the link between spaceships and destroyers and submarines and make the linkage between Kirk and Captain Horatio Hornblower. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's a well-thought-out, well-put-together um, CD uh, by La La Land, as, as all their CDs are. I mean, I've got the motion picture. I've got the Wonder Woman uh, uh, television series. Um, I think it's a two-CD set. might be just one. But anyway, this, this soundtrack to me, um, you know, it, it was very ballsy to take – the motion picture now is a very recognized scene. Um, with the Wrath of Khan, they, they didn't go in that direction. The way that it opened up, the dun, 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 which is Alexander Courage's, and then it just goes in this trumpeted, you know, adrenaline, you know, grandiose introduction to the Wrath of Khan. I love that. Um, the ending, uh, you know, as well, it's very, very action-oriented and effective in, in watching the film. And this is one of those soundtracks that I can just listen to, and I pick up, but here's the Reliant now, facing off mm-hmm. with the Enterprise. Dun-dun-dun. 
The cues are really soft. Oh, my God. It's just, you know, and you know when the phasers are going to, you know, they knew exactly where to hit us. Who? Who knew where to hit us? (laughs) You did it, sir. You did it, Admiral. I did nothing. Nothing. Except get caught with my pants down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was his britches, wasn't it? Well, britches. Caught with his britches down. (laughs) Um... His first major score was written in four and a half weeks. Everything on Star Trek, the motion picture was just done on the fly. And, you know, the writing of the script and, and the filming and everything was just, it's amazing how the whole thing came together. Um, yeah, that, that that's my number two pick. You know, I, I thought about Bernard Herrmann and Psycho. That's another really, really solid soundtrack from start to finish. Um, yeah, but but instead I went with uh, with Rathacon. So, Con. <laughs> On to Chief Engineer Bob's third pick. Well, you know, I'm going to throw a curveball in here because originally I was thinking of Creature from the Black Lagoon, and I love the themes in there. But it's not quite a cohesive soundtrack. I mean, you had Hans Salter worked on it. Herman Stein worked on it. uh, Henry Mancini worked on it. So you had like a big eclectic combination of people Mm -hmm. to bring Creature from the Black Lagoon to life. But I was sitting here and thinking, and one soundtrack that I always thought was just amazing was uh, Yuji Koseki's soundtrack for the original 1961 Mothra. Mm. And mainly because if you look at all the Toho monster films, you know, they're all like monster movies, horror movies. Mothra was like a fantasy. And you kind of had to have, not like an Akira Ifukube march or something in there. You needed something more fantastical. And uh, Yuji Koseki definitely provided that and very you know it's very light soundtrack but there's also some great crescendos actually you know where Mothra had her theme and then of course the twin fairies from Infant Island you know they had their theme as well as the theme that they would sing that would basically carry on through almost all the movies that Mothra was in (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it was basically you know Yuji Koseki was basically working for um, Nippon Columbia like a record label and he was just doing like classical music and things his first composition when he was uh, like 21 was called Tale of the Bamboo Cutter and uh, as it went on a lot of the soundtracks from the Godzilla films and things would come out on on uh, Nippon Columbia. So I assume he was tapped into through that to do the film. And uh, it was, like I say, it was one of the, one of the better soundtracks. In fact, um, they released like a two CD set. This was probably about five or six years ago of the soundtrack remastered. And it's just, Amazing. Just throw on some headphones and listen to it. Uh, this great sound and uh, 
you can hear like every little note and uh it's that's cool one of my one of my definitely one of my favorites now obviously i love akira ifukube and all of the uh soundtracks that he did but the mothra soundtrack basically had its own distinct personality and like i say scoring it as a fantasy film rather than a uh a hard monster or horror film nice good pick chief uh, let me see, Walker. What do you got for us? Well, I seriously considered going with Planet of the Apes. It's a, an excellent score. Yep. Very, uh, it has a lot of dissonance and, you know, kind of a, a, a very strange uh, quality to it. But we've had Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> I, already, I already picked him. <laughs> Once, so I thought, well, I'm not going to pick him again. I'll pick somebody else. So I went with uh, the score of a film we've already talked about on the show, and that's The Omega Man, done by Ron Grainer. Nice. And so uh, Ron Grainer is not a name you hear tossed around a lot when you talk about soundtracks. I uh, don't know a lot about him. I do know that he worked uh, on Doctor Who and The Prisoner, British TV shows that I assume most of our listeners will be familiar with. Uh, the Omega Man, a movie near and dear to me. I, I enjoy <laughs> this film a great deal. Uh, and and uh, in no small part due to the soundtrack. This soundtrack is uh, both or- orchestral and electronic in nature. There's definitely some experimentation going on there with, with the electronics. I mean, it's 1971, so he's trying out a lot of different things. Um, you know, some of it is very jazzy. Some of it sounds almost like easy listening. Uh <laughs> Then there's just some some very strange electronic stuff going on. Uh, a lot of strong percussion again, which is right in my sweet spot. Really enjoy the percussion. Um, you know, it, it's another one. I think it goes really well with with the movie. I think he was trying really hard to capture Charlton Heston's character in the film. Um, which I, I think he succeeds in doing. And then just supplying a lot of the uh, action, uh, you know, complementing the action that was going on in the film. Well, fun um, fact, one year we went to Monster Palooza yep. and we rented a car and Karen brought her CD with her and, and we drove around L.A. proper listening to the Omega Man soundtrack. Yeah, you can't beat that. So if you've never driven around L.A. with the... Omega Man soundtrack. You're missing out, kids. But it's got to be way... like really early on a Sunday morning when there's not a lot of traffic. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was going to say, you got to drive around early on a Sunday morning with a submachine gun in the front seat. But... <laughs> Scarf and a captain's hat helps. A little, uh, yeah, a little ascot. Ascot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a really good soundtrack. It's, it's funny. I did a little reading, and it seems like, you know, some of the people in the um, soundtrack – collecting community are divided over it but uh it was good enough that film score monthly magazine who goes out and sometimes rescues these orphan soundtracks they went ahead and they 
they got the rights to it and they put together the soundtrack and they did a run of like 2000 for for their uh, listeners and it was so popular they put together another run of it and mm. that's that's how I got a hold of mine um, was through Film Score Monthly I don't know where else it's available I think I looked on Amazon and I think people were selling it there but I think it was the Film Score Monthly version um, that was people were selling through Amazon so if nice. people are interested they might be able to pick it up there but it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's fun to listen to when you're driving around. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. All right, kids. Well, that brings me to my third pick. And and again, you know, I I kind of went back and forth uh, on this. I, initially, I was going to pick Godzilla versus Biollante, just because they took all the classic Godzilla music and they, you know modernize you have electric guitar and and you know some changes in the in the tone and 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 the music it's still familiar but just has a more modern take on it um but i went with the lord of the rings the two towers mm. uh soundtrack and this is um uh, howard shore did a great job on all three of the films to be sure, um, there was some weird Academy rule about sequels, and, and they initially didn't put this as an Academy Award candidate. You know, they later ruled that that's okay, and so Return of the King was nominated, you know, a year or two later. But um, the, the music, uh, yeah, I was talking to uh, Bob and Karen before we were recording. Right away, the first like bit of music, Gandalf and the Balrog falling down the pit, and it's just mm -hmm. so, it's operatic. I mean, it it just oh my god, and and even now in my mind's eye, I see you know the Balrog fighting and Gandalf and you know the the dialogue and and stuff, and then it reused some of the themes for you know the dwarves and the elves and the the hobbits and. You know Frodo and and Samwise, and it's one of the soundtracks in a more modern film that helped you appreciate the movie and just really fall in love. I, I, I wish I could have seen the um, concert that they had. I don't know if you went to it, Bob. The one in San Jose they had at the uh, was it the Civic Center or it was Howard Shore and the. All three films. Anyway. No, no. You know, it's like... Maybe you did the Bond one. There was one of the ones. Bob and I both yeah, went to the we Star We went to Trek. Star Trek. I went yeah. to... Uh, with Bob Avon and I went to the uh, James Bond one at the San Francisco Symphony. Okay. And then uh, Debbie and I went to an evening of John Williams music there. Oh, nice. And that, uh, was, that was very cool. But, uh, yeah, you know... My friend Aaron Cooper basically gave me the Lord of the Rings trilogy because he had gotten the, uh, you know, the billion hours director's cut box set hoop to do thing. <laughs> and so he gave me the, the studio or the theatrical releases and uh, I watched them and I sold it off and I haven't watched it since. So oh I'm not a big Lord of the Rings fan. It's not his thing. It's no. okay. No, no. So uh, no, I would not have gone to see a whole concert of music from it, but I, I feel you because I'm not a Harry Potter fan, 
and and people are like, well, you should like Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, yeah, I just didn't didn't feel it. Me either. Book, huh? I couldn't. I tried to get into that Harry Potter stuff, but it just yeah yeah didn't do anything for me. Now I will say the the kid that plays Harry's friend Ron Weasley. I can't think of the actor's name, but he is freaking brilliant in Apple TV's M. Night Shalahan show, The Servant. And he loses his accent. He has this, like, Connecticut kind of, like, New York accent. And I'm just drawn to him whenever he's on screen. <laughs> well, the who's the kid that played Harry Potter? What's his uh, name? Daniel Radcliffe. He was in that Sandra Bullock movie. It was hilarious. That that uh, with Channing Tatum, The Lost City. Oh, that I was a that yet. very funny rom-com. Well, he's in a movie now where he's playing Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, I heard he was working on uh, learning how to play the accordion. <laughs> he well, he's he's uh, he was good in this this uh, movie with Sandra Bullock. So you know whatever he learned from. The Harry Potter films, he's he's done okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he played Frankenstein, I think, Doctor Frankenstein, a uh, number of years ago. And hmm. was he the Doctor? Or was he Igor? I think he was the Doctor. Um, he's also in this movie with magicians. Jasmine loves that movie, and and it's the Hulk is in it. Woody Harrelson's in it. Anyway, I digress. A movie with magicians and the Hulk's in it? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, who plays the Hulk? Ruffalo? Mark Ruffalo? Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. He's in it. Woody Harrelson's in it. That kid from uh, Zombieland who played Lex Luthor, he's in it. And, <laughs> and they're like magicians and they're doing like a... Like a, oh, a are, they're like con men. Yeah, I, I like thought you meant like they were magical. Okay, yeah, I've yeah, seen and that. Woody Harrelson plays himself and his twin brother, which is really hilarious. But anyway, anyway, back to theme themes or soundtracks. <laughs> well, <laughs> while while we were all gabbing, yeah, we I really did find out that. that the theremin, the first movie that used the theremin, was a Russian film called Odna, O-D-N-A, which means alone, and it was made in 1930. Wow. So they were in on it real early. You said it was uh, it was well, basically, what, 1928 that the patent was? Uh, right. So, yeah, uh -huh. two years later, it was used in a Russian film called Odna or Odna. In, in wow. Russia, Theremin plays you. <laughs> That's right. Friends of the show uh, provide us uh, our exit music, Project Pimento. That's right. Uh, we have their link on our page. Check them out. And a Thurman, all Thurman band. Well, they have some percussion, but they they do have the Thurman on every single uh, song on there. They have two CDs out. Email them, ask for a third. I remind them every once in a while, and they always say, oh, it, it's forthcoming, but... In any case, yeah, but yeah, no, it's uh, definitely if you don't, if you like tune us out after we're done talking, you're definitely missing out on a, a cool theme at the end. Yes, absolutely. Well, guys, any honorable mentions? Any anything you want to add before we jump into our sensor sweep? 
Well, like I said, I was going to talk about some composers, but I mean, we don't have time really, but, you know, obviously John Barry, I love all his stuff. Good one. All That's the Bond right. films. He did King Kong. He did uh, The Black Hole, which we covered. That's right. He did. <laughs> and uh, God, Barry Gray. Love Barry Gray. He did all the uh, Jerry Anderson TV shows like Stingray and Fireball XL5 and Thunderbirds. In fact, speaking of humming tunes when you leave a theater, I, I went and saw Thunderbirds Are Go at a theater in San Rafael. And when I came out of it, I went into the bathroom to use the restroom, and there were three stalls. All three stalls were occupied, and all three people in those stalls were sitting there tapping their feet, Going dun 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 and it was like it was just you know the most fun you could have in a bathroom I think. That's right. So yeah, no, that was. Then you know we we even talked before we started recording about Michael Giacchino and all the stuff that he's done, man, and you know obviously. Yeah, it really sticks out you know, his his theme, his theme or his soundtrack to The Incredibles. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is quite incredible. But he also did he did the Speed Racer movie, which is like close to my heart. He did uh, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Mm-hmm. He did John Carter, another film close to my heart. He did Rogue One. He did uh, all three Spider Man movies, the new ones with Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's also doing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder. So he gets around. He's doing a lot of stuff. But uh, <laughs> He does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I would say of all, of all the modern composers that are still working, I think he's like one of the best. Yeah, he's definitely one of the top composers right now. You know, of course, obvious uh, by his absence on our list is John Williams. No, oh, but we talked to him, talked about him quite a bit. Did did we talk about him quite a bit? I I, I don't know. Not a bit. I I mentioned him a little bit in Superman. And then we were talking oh, wait. about Star he Wars. He was and, on our list. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I uh, I completely forgot. But I mean, but he's I, he's amazing with what Jaws and Star Wars and Superman right. and Indiana Raiders Jones. Of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's I, it's Schindler's almost surprising list. that he we didn't rain. have him. Lost you know, in Space, the original Lord series. Jesus. He cut his teeth on Lost in Space as Johnny Williams. Right. And it is funny how many of these guys were doing stuff on TV first. I mean, Jerry Goldsmith was doing a lot of TV stuff as well. So. Right. Well, yeah, uh, like, uh, it's funny because like the, uh, God, what was the name? Tomita? The kind of a Japanese kind of electronic synthesizer artist back in the day. And uh, he started on like Kimba the White Lion and uh, oh wow and another show called Mighty Jack. Hmm. So yeah, you know, even over there, but yeah, a lot of people got their start starts on TV. And if you go back uh, and listen to the Lost in Space soundtrack and a lot of uh, John Williams scores in there, um, you can hear a lot of influence that made it through to Star Wars and some of his, some of his other soundtracks. Well, I'll challenge our viewers. Uh, Lieutenant Jasmine gives me a hard time. She she hears a little difference between the Superman March and the Star Wars 
introduction to theme. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are we talking like tin ear or what? Yeah, well, <laughs> so you guys listen and, and put some comments out there on our uh, Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, YouTube and our proper website and let me know if you hear a difference between the, between the two. He's looking for ammunition. <laughs> Back me up here. Back me up. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking Jaws. I mean, he, and uh, Close Encounters. Bam, 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 bam. There, there are just theme or pieces of music that you hear, and it takes you to the film. Well, and very simple, too, because he, he came up with some that are just, you know, like Jaws is what? Three notes or something. But yeah, because he said that he had played that for Spielberg, and Spielberg was like, "Is that it? That's all. That's it." Well, but it works so well. Lieutenant Jasmine listens to Raiders of the Lost Ark. She's like, "That's just Jaws sped up." I'm like, "Oh, shut up." She's really I think I think she's just messing with you. I think she is too. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have made it out to the the Star Wars themed land in uh, Disneyland. No, not yet. Not yet. Well, let me tell you guys, he did the the theme as you walk through the or under the bridge. At least in Disneyland, I don't know about Disney World. Um. He did the score for that land, and Ooh. and it's so evocative. Without, you know, doing the Star Wars march, it it's very much uh, a Star Wars experience. And um, I don't think he came out of retirement for it. I think he was still working, but didn't he come out of retirement to score the Obi Wan series? I you know, believe so. Yeah, on Disney. So that'll be interesting to. Uh, to experience anyway but that's another that's another one like i can't remember who the composer is but uh i really oh. like the music for the mandalorian uh oh, Gorenson. yeah 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 I mean, that's a great soundtrack i actually bought the soundtrack uh, yeah one, I have one of the few well, modern soundtracks i've got uh, did but, they have the whole soundtrack available yeah, I was well looking. they've got like episodes or seasons or whatever you'd have to, i think the first the first season you, you had to buy like one CD for each episode. Right. Or that's, I, yeah. I didn't, that's why I didn't do it because I was like, ah, I'm not going to. I think I I'll bought the first one and then I bought one from the second season, but. We, uh, we subscribe to the Apple Music thing, so we have access to all the stuff, but they bleed us every month. I mean, we subscribe uh, to uh, <laughs> Apple every month. So, so yeah, Ludwig Gorenson. Yeah, he's very good. There's another guy who did the uh, Westworld um, stuff. Uh, and I should probably look up his name, too. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. Well, we have enough that we will probably, at some point, do a favorite TV theme you know with some soundtracks. Good on you. Let's get so. into our... Let's get into our... Um, sensor, sensor suite. suite. With Chief Engineer Bob. Yeah, away, well, you know, in, in lieu of, I just bought two very, ex well, four, because Lieutenant uh, Debbie's coming, very. four very expensive concert tickets. So uh, instead of doing a product review, um, I figured I'd just let listeners know where they can find a lot of these soundtracks if they're That's looking a good for idea. them. 
Uh, one would be at Entrada, and we did mention them before. It's right. store.entrada.com. They have rare releases. They have exclusive soundtracks. Very large catalog. Cool guys. Even when we did our Ray Harryhausen show, they supplied some of the soundtracks for that. They have a really nice soundtrack from Valley of Guanji. And uh, I remember years ago when uh, our friend David Schechter came out with uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon and uh, Jungle Themes. Um, I wanted that. I couldn't find it anywhere. So I actually found in Toronto, they were in Berkeley. I went and knocked on the door and they're like, oh, we're not a store. We're just, this is an office. We're online, you know. But they let me in and I got to go rooting through their stuff and I, I picked up the sound. I picked up Creature from Black Lagoon. It was very cool. There were a lot of very cool guys over there. So check out Entrada. Online. Was, don't go to the building. Yeah, don't go, don't go there. So. Um, La La Land Records, L-A-L-A-L-A-N-D records.com. A lot of cool soundtracks. We mentioned some of them in the show. Uh, didn't they do the big, like, Lost in Space set? Mm-hmm. And also and the big Star, Star Trek. Trek set? Yeah. I picked up the Star Trek set of Monster Palooza, and that's that's just amazing. All the music is on that. It is. Uh, waxworksrecords.com. That's W-A-X-worksrecords.com. Uh, they have quite a few cool soundtracks. A lot of vinyl. And I've been buying a lot of the... Uh, Godzilla and stuff soundtracks on vinyl <laughs> and they sound so that was Larry breaking a record Sorry. right there broke a toy it's like, oh, this is what I think of vinyl <laughs> but, <laughs> but I've been listening to the records a lot and you know what What really got me was a release of a two LP set of the music from Night of the Living Dead which oh, is a lot wow. of like library music but I thought it was you know for a film using a library music, it was used very well. And so they have it all collected into a two LP set. See, that's very cool, Bob. Cool. I was thinking it is just library music, yeah. they, but they have it composed in two albums? Yeah. Nice. And then uh, the last one would be Mondoshop.com. Hmm. Mondo, basically you sign up for their newsletter, and I think well, every week or every other week they're coming out with a different soundtrack. Tiki mugs, soundtracks, yeah. posters, puzzles. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff. But since we're talking soundtracks, they do. They definitely have some cool soundtracks. So uh, definitely check them out. So Entrada, La La Land Records, Waxworks, and Mondo. And very uh, you cool. Can, now, I, yeah, I could go in all night, you know, and talk about sites where you can go download the stuff. But I'm a physical media, physical media kind of guy, so. That's what, that's what I'm pushing. Very cool. Well, thank you, Chief. And my friends, that brings us to the end of another episode of Planet 8. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. This is Planet 8 signing off. Peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planetatepodcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet 8 Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet 8 podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. 
We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8, signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. in a classical da 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 da